Hello and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian here in New Haven, Connecticut. I'm back, everyone. I'm so sorry uh, that we missed the podcast two weeks ago. I was away on my honeymoon, as a lot of you probably know if you have been listening. The wedding and the honeymoon were amazing, by the way, so that was wonderful. But um, Wales, it turns out, where we went on our honeymoon does not have a lot of Wi-Fi. So um, even the best laid plans of <laughs> uploading everything beforehand and having it all ready to go did did not really work. Um, so here we are. We had a month off, so hopefully you enjoyed it. And I'm back. Um, so anyway, so our news item today, as um, many of you have probably heard about somewhere in the news the past couple weeks is about Mary Kane. Um, have to talk about it as an athlete who suffered from an eating disorder. I really, you know, saw her story and was like, finally, finally, a professional female athlete is speaking out in the running community. And she's not the first, but it's, it's really important because it's made a lot of news and people are starting to make some changes. Uh, for those of you who have not heard about Mary Kane, she was a professional running um, female athlete. Uh, she trained with Nike Project in Oregon, and um, she was really amazing, kind of a prodigy, and then sort of fell off the radar, and people didn't really know why. And it's because her coaches, according to her, were not um, you know, allowing her to nourish her body. They were telling her she had to be thin, promoting the idea that, you know, only thin runners are competitive runners and her food was being restricted and her health was incredibly poor and thus, you know, her performance uh, suffered. So I wanted to read apart from the article, of course, as always, the article is in the show notes. I really recommend you go read it, read other articles about it find articles from other women. There's a ton out there um, who have now come out now that she has with stories similar about um, just the abuse and, you know, lack of awareness of women's health and what's really needed for women's sports uh, for those athletes to perform well. So, okay, here's uh, a part of the article in the New York Times. And uh, this is Kara, I think Kara Goucher, an Olympic distance runner who trained with the same program as Mary Kane under Albert or Salazar. So he's the coach that they're saying, you know, sort of limited them, restricted them, told them they had to be thinner. So Kara says, when you're training in a program like this, you're constantly reminded how lucky you are to be there, how anyone would want to be there. And it's the weird feeling of, well, then I can't leave it. Who am I without it? Goucher said. When someone proposes something you don't want to do, whether it's weight loss or drugs, you wonder, is this what it takes? Maybe it is, and I don't want to have regrets. Your careers are so short. You are desperate. You want to capitalize on your career, but you're not sure, uh, sure at what cost. She said that after being cooked meager meals by an assistant coach, she often had to eat more in the privacy of her condo room, nervous he would hear her open the wrappers of the energy bar she had there. A big part of this problem is that women and girls are being forced to meet athletic standards that are based on how men and boys develop. If you try to make a girl fit a boy's development timeline, her body is at risk of breaking down. 
That is what happened to Kane. That's Mary Kane. After months of dieting and frustration, Kane found herself choosing between training with the best team in the world or potentially developing osteoporosis or even infertility. She lost her period for three years and broke five bones. She went from being a once-in-a-generation Olympic hopeful to having suicidal thoughts. So, um, yeah, it's a really powerful article. I suggest you go read it. It resonated with me so much as someone who lost their period for two years and broke somewhere around that number of bones as well. Um, and had doctors talk to her about, you know, infertility and osteopenia and that sort of stuff. Even though I was lucky, I don't have those problems. Um, lots and lots of female athletes do. This is not unique. And that's why we're here. We're talking about, um, you know, realizing that eating disorders are too common and we need to help people um, recover and not fall into this trap. So uh, go check that out if you haven't already. All right. Anyway, today on the podcast, I'm really excited. I've had a lot of people write into me or, um, you know, talk to me about pregnancy and um, talk to me about being a mom and, you know, where do you go if you're someone who had an eating disorder and now you're trying to get pregnant and you're really worried about gaining weight and all those body changes And I mean, I've never been pregnant, um, but I can think about it. And it, yeah, it is scary as someone who's, you know, fought really hard um, to recover from an eating disorder and got over those um, fears of how your body can gain weight. It is scary to think that you're entering into, you know, a period where your body's going to change a lot again. So to discuss that, I have Elizabeth Ward. She's a dietitian. Um, She focuses on pregnancy and mothers and uh, infant nutrition. She's also an author. She recently, I think about a year or two ago, came out with the book, Expect the Best, Your Guide to Healthy Eating Before, During, and After Pregnancy. Um, Fun fact, Elizabeth Ward is the first dietitian I ever met. She is the mother of one of my best friends from high school, and uh, she's one of the big reasons I became a dietitian. So it was super exciting to have her on with me. Um, Before we jump in, I just want to say this podcast does mention calories. It mentions weight gain. We talk about BMI, um, a lot of things that I don't typically talk about. It's not, you know, a Hayes um, podcast in this episode. So um, just so you know, if that's something you don't want to talk about, you don't want to hear, you might not want to continue. But if you're interested in pregnancy, if you're interested in how women um, who've had eating disorders or disordered eating need to be aware of what could happen to their body and what will happen and should happen when they become pregnant. This is a really great episode. I learned so much. So, um, you know, choose what you want to do. And yeah, uh, it's really great. So I just want to say also uh, that I didn't hit one of the recording buttons when we started the conversation. So it's going to kind of jump right into the middle of a question um, with Elizabeth here. So we were talking about how much weight should a woman gain when they are pregnant. And I asked her this question because I always hear women saying, you know, they only want to gain weight for their baby or they're worried about, you know, gaining too much weight and they only want weight if it's necessary and and that sort of stuff. Um, So I wanted to understand, you know, what's the real guideline or the real medical healthy thing to do 
if you are um, pregnant. So anyway, we're talking about the Institute of Medicine's guidelines based on your BMI pre-pregnancy. That's what women are recommended to do. So when you hear her start, we had just mentioned that women should follow the Institute of Medicine's guidelines. And the keyword there is guidelines. You'll hear her say it based on BMI, your body mass index pre-pregnancy. So uh, here we go with Elizabeth. Now, I hope that everyone listening is hearing the word guideline. It's a guideline. It's not a hard and fast rule. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that this is, you know, exactly right for you. And that's up to you and your, you know, nurse practitioner or your doctor. You know, that's up to to between you and them. So these are guidelines for the whole population. And what are they based on? Well, they're based on, you know, better pregnancy outcomes. And what does that mean? Well, um, fewer risk factors for mom, you know, fewer complications, let's say, and fewer complications for baby. And again, this is group data. This is big population data. This is not my dad, you know, doesn't pertain necessarily to me or the person next door to me. This is all pooled kind of information. Um, but it's the best that we have. So um, what we do is use them as guidelines. And the, I think the key thing um, that maybe people don't know is that um, when you're having a baby, you'll, you'll probably be assessed for your weight gain based on what you weighed before you got pregnant. Right, um, yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah, and that's really it. Um, and you know, I guess if your you know your weight was is considered in the the healthier range, and again, you know, don't love that term, but <laughs> yeah. that's what we use. Um, you probably will be advised to gain between twenty five um, to thirty five pounds. Okay, but again, if you gain thirty six, is that a problem? If you gain twenty four, is that a pro- no? Not necessarily. You know, if you gain 40, is that the end of the world? No. Um, So. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a good point, like with the guidelines, because so many people, you know, I think when I was in school, we had to print out like super tracker and Mm -hmm. try to like live that way for a week or something. And it was Mm -hmm. just like, this is not feasible for me or something. And it shouldn't be. It's it's a guideline for the population. It is, and if you're, you know, very active or if you have, for some reason, a higher metabolism, um, you know, you're, you, you're going to need more calories, you know, you're going to need to eat more. Like you're saying, Super Tracker is going to tell you, like, how much to eat um, and how many We haven't talked about calories. This is just really weight gain. Of course, weight gain is complicated. I mean, right. it's not just about calories. But I understand what you mean. Um, it, it, a guideline is just that. It's a guideline. So you mentioned a few of the concerns you hear from women, um, but do you have any like ones that really stick with you that you've heard um, maybe from friends or from people who've read your book that like they're, you know, worried about going into being pregnant or once they have the baby related to their weight? You know, um, truthfully, there's not enough emphasis on, um, I think, being at a healthy weight before you get pregnant. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and I think this is, from a public health standpoint, kind of a growing problem. Because if you enter um, pregnancy, um, you know, 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, 
you're considered at high risk for complications for yourself and yeah. for the baby. So, you know, again, I don't think I get enough questions. I don't get enough questions about that because I don't think there's a lot of awareness. Yeah, it's In always terms, like about the weight gain during pregnancy or yes. after. Yes, and it's really hard to get women to wrap their minds around um, what they need to do before. And in my pregnancy book, there's a lot of information about pre-pregnancy. I'd say, you know, about a third of the book is is uh, um, devoted to that. Yeah. Because, yeah. because there's so, it's so important. And I'm not just talking about weight. Right. I'm talking about your like, diet, right? right. Yeah. Um, your lifestyle, um, any medical problems you have that you need to get under control or better manage before you get pregnant. Because... Pregnancy, you know, tends to um, blow things out of the water in the sense that, you know, things um, are just more heightened, you know, they're, they're more exacerbated if you have a problem. So you want to get those solved or, or managed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, weight is one of them. So I'm not saying, and I don't, and I, and I say this in the book, I'm not asking you to get, you know, skinny or to lose, you know, all this weight. I just want you to know that even if you lost, you know, if you were like 40, 50 pounds overweight, you lost, you know, five or 10 pounds that you'd be doing yourself and your baby a a really um, big favor. Right. Okay. Good to understand. Yeah. What about women on um, the spectrum who like go into pregnancy talking about what we said before where they're like, okay, I'm only gaining weight for the baby. So maybe they're like Mm -hmm. restricting. What are some of the concerns you have for women like that? Yeah. So I think if you have bad attitude, you might have some relationship with food that you need to, to explore. Yeah. Um, And almost like the health concern you said that you should address before you're pregnant. Exactly. And that, again, that is one of my, um, the things on my checklist of your to-do list. You really have to understand your relationship with food. If you're having those thoughts, like once you get pregnant, you probably are fearful that, you know, you're going to lose control. Um, And, um, you know, I I think everyone has shades of that as well. I mean, I certainly did too. I I knew that, you know, I I love to eat and maybe I'm going to go the other way and say... Um, pregnant, I can just, you know, eat extra calories as long as I eat all my fruits and vegetables and grains and things like that. I can have a brownie, you know, a fudge brownie Sunday <laughs> every day if I want. You know, so you can go one way or the or the other in in terms of being extreme. So I would say that if you have thoughts either way, like you're just going to restrict and you're trying to have just a belly only, you know, pregnancy, which I see all over the internet. Yeah, yeah. Really sad, really, really sad because just because you're trying to do that doesn't mean you're getting, that's the only place you're going to gain weight. Your body knows what it's doing. Um, Well, it's like when you gain weight in general, it's not like you gain it in one spot. Like that's very odd. Like (laughs) if you saw someone who'd only had, you know, huge arms or something, it's, it's disorienting. Exactly. So that's not going to happen. You don't have that much control. But again, coming back to that idea of control, you are feeling out of control maybe either one way or the other. You 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 say, oh, I'm just going to go crazy and eat whatever I want um, or, you know, I need to restrict. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so if, if you're having thoughts either way, 
I'd say, you know, it's time to really um, work that out um, with maybe a mental health counselor um, or a registered dietitian who specializes um, in, you know, disordered relationships with food. Right. Um, Because that could bleed into, like, afterwards, right, when you have the baby and maybe you're breastfeeding, maybe you're not, um, but you could sort of jump on that train of trying to lose all that weight really fast. Yeah, and also as your kid gets older and they start eating, um, you know, I think all your thoughts about restricting um, come back. Yeah. And, you know, all your fears about gaining too much weight come back. And, um, you know, they can get uh, visited on the child, let's say, when, you know, the thing about children is they're the best self-regulators in the world. They're born knowing when to eat and when to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, yeah. <laughs> I just think about my nephews. Like, they're so funny. They'll just stop, like, mid-pepper or whatever they're eating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like a, like it's almost like a dog. I hate to say it. But yeah. You know how dogs, you know, they eat when they're hungry. Yeah. And, and they kind of just, then they haven't touched their food for hours. And you say, well, what's wrong with them? Well, nothing's wrong with them. They're not hungry. Yeah. So, you know, we get we get um, worried that our children aren't eating enough, and then we get worried that they're eating too much. And, you know, on, on learning what you were taught as a child about eating and, um, you know, p- possibly restricting or going overboard, um, that takes some self-awareness. So um, starting early... Um, during pregnancy and, and even, um, you know, postpartum and kind of first year of life, you'll learn a lot about the way children eat and, and, and you may even learn, a, you know, about yourself Yeah. As well. So trying so. to learn from your child who's like regulating just fine, um, that yep. you could do that too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mentioned this a little, but so I, in my nutrition class, I think my professor was a breastfeeding expert or something. And uh, mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time on breastfeeding. And she talked about how it's really important that women don't fall into the trap of you have to lose all your um, oh. baby weight really fast. Yeah. Um, could you talk about that a little and like what the side effects might be? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have so many thoughts about that. My first <laughs> one is that the media can make you insane. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like the Kardashians' pregnancy was like the scariest thing to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she had a lot of problems. She was very sick. Right. Kardashian was very sick, and I felt I felt bad for her. She doesn't have great pregnancies, but the fact that you know these celebrities seem to bounce back, and oh look, I got my body back. Yeah. Weeks, and you know. Sure, if I had someone who was cleaning my house, letting <laughs> me sleep at night, cooking me meals, yeah, um, taking care of my baby, doing um, my job, might, yeah, yeah <laughs> doing my job, it might be easier to, 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 to lose some weight. But the reality of it is that it takes, you know, six months to a year, especially if you're breastfeeding. So mm-hmm. the first fallacy about breastfeeding is that it peels the pounds off. It doesn't. Yeah, um, yeah. It does not necessarily do that. In some people, they'll have an easier time regulating their weight and losing the body weight with the baby fat, let's say, with the with breastfeeding, and others won't. 
Um, it all depends on how old you are as right. well. If, the, if your first baby is at 35, 36, or 7, 40. Which is um, so much more mater- common now. Yeah. It is. It is. But I even my third child, it took me longer to lose weight because I was like that much older. Right. So, so age plays a role in it as well. So my advice to women is give yourself a break. It's going to take a while. And that if you're nursing... If you restrict your calories, I always say don't go go below anywhere below 1,800 calories a day, and that's with no activity. Right. That's just like a sedentary. Don't go any lower than that because it can hurt your milk supply. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so then you could start having problems with your milk supply. And then so, you get more stressed out. And so, exactly. It's a mess. And stress is no good for milk production. It's it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you need to drink um uh, you know, enough fluids, um, preferably water, um, and you need to make sure that you're eating a balanced diet um, because you still do have higher calorie needs. And I wouldn't even start losing to try to do any calorie restriction for at least six weeks after I had a baby. Um, and so just eat with, like, no, like, very few extras. If that's what you want to do, you want to take the weight off. But, um, you know, you really run the risk. If you're if you're really restricting, yeah, yeah, you run the risk of of ruining your your production. So you mentioned like the myth of if you breastfeed, you lose weight faster. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Are there any other like myths like that that always like pop out to you, and you're just like ah, like why do people think that? Um, Yeah, here's one, and I've actually asked some of my friends who um, are also pregnancy, you know, nutrition experts and breastfeeding. Um, I see this a lot on the internet, lactation cookies, lactation this, lactation that. And so I said to somebody once, what's in that cookie (laughs) that, you know, boosts boosts lactation? Well, you know, there really isn't anything in there. Um, It's just that it's healthy and so it's good for lactation. It's like, ugh. You know, know, just eat um, according to, you know, my plate, which is a very good you know, um, icon that you can refer to in terms of whole grains and fruits and vegetables and dairy and um, or non-dairy if you want to go that way. Uh, just eat and and eat. Don't eat a lot of uh, of extra calories that with added sugar and alcohol and things like that. And your milk production will be good. So that's that's another myth. Um, that really bugs me. Yeah, um, it's just crazy <laughs> to think like, oh, this cookie b- before anything else would um, help yeah. your milk production. Yeah, there's really nothing. There's no one thing that boosts milk production. Um, so the other thing is exercise. You know that that um, uh, recommendation is that you could, if you've had a healthy pregnancy and you haven't had a C-section, and you get to go ahead, you really don't have to wait for six weeks to like go out for a walk with the baby or right. on your own, um, that you can get up and start moving around. Now, you, I'm not saying go back to the gym and go full throttle. You've had a baby. You know, for nine months, your body was in this um, growth mode. The hormones are still floating around. They're trying to settle down. Um, your body's trying to settle down and, and uh, get back to where it was. So... You, know, you don't have to go crazy, but you don't have to wait for months yeah. to exercise either. And I find it's a good stress reducer. Definitely. Um, and like time yeah. to just like think and be out of the house. and. Yes. 
right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, w- I feel like I would get like stir crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I can still remember my first walk with my first baby. It was like, oh, is everybody bundled up? Is it okay? Yeah. It, you know, it, but then as time goes on, you just, you know, you just learn how to do it. And, mm-hmm. and taking the baby out is good. You know, baby needs air and you need to get out and, and it's helpful. Yeah. So before you, you mentioned too, like your body changes when you're pregnant, right? Like your hips get yeah. wider and, and all those things. Um, right. And I always see this like advertisement, uh, you know, for like weight loss things or wellness, you know, groups that's like get back to like high school skinny or whatever. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, I always, when I was in high school, I was like, okay, like fine, whatever. But um, now I'm like, well, why would I ever want to be the size I was in high school? Like, I feel like I would have to become a child again, right? Like, it just mm-hmm. seems like you shouldn't be that size, especially if you've had a kid. Um, it'll be tough if you've yeah. had a kid. Um, it'll be it'll be hard. Speaking from someone who's had three, yeah. I mean, you know, things do get all stretched out, and you get older. And, right. um, you know, as you get older with every, you know, five years or something, you may notice that your metabolism, um, changes. So it gets a little bit slower and that's because you naturally are losing muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Um, so to combat that, and I'm a big fan of this, um, is, you know, weight training, uh, weight resistance, um, exercises, resistance exercise, I should say, at least two to three times a week, at, you know, along with, um, you know, some aerobic exercise as well, um, that's going to help preserve your muscles. So I think the best way to get back to your, you know, um, age 18 body, if that's what you want, is to preserve your muscle or even build it because that'll increase your, your metabolic rate. Um, but it's very, very important as we, as we go on, even after we have babies, uh, to continue to take care of ourselves yeah. and to continue to... Um, preserve and make muscle because as we get you know much older like 60s 70s 80s that's what really gives you you know your independence and your strength and your health yeah you don't have to you know give up things you like to do as as early it keeps you strong strong is the new sexy yeah (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) right um so i think we talked about this a little when you were saying um you want to make sure you have anything that, um, you know, was plaguing you or some sort of illness before you got pregnant Mm -hmm. cleared up so that you're not, you know, putting that on your child. Um, do you, I'm not sure how much you've seen this, but like women who've had like an eating disorder or something like that Mm -hmm. before, um, even if like it was all cured up, do you often see it coming back or them struggling or do you have any suggestions for them when trying to teach their kids or model good behavior for their children? Well, it would be no surprise if, um, you know, some element of disordered eating um, showed up with pregnancy because um, your body changes so drastically. Yeah, it can be alarming, yeah. It can be very alarming. And, you know, my advice is if you you feel this way, um, if you you are having any of those thoughts, that you really need to work closely uh, with a registered dietitian, particularly one who um, you know specializes in um, your disordered relationship with food, because 
that person's going to help guide you and going to tell you, you know, this is okay. You know, it's okay for this to happen and I'm going to, you know, help you with the balanced eating plan and, and this is why, you know, weight gain is important. And I think that having the facts about the weight gain, like we were talking about at the beginning, yeah, yeah. Um, is helpful. Right. Um, Knowing like this it, should happen. Like this is not unusual. Yes. And, you know, the question that you asked about, you know, when you go, when you're feeding your baby later on, I think it's very um, important too because um, your past will, you know, will come back if it, if it hasn't been um, already, you know, thought, if you haven't already thought about it and come to, to some, make some peace with it. Right. So if, if you, yeah, if you are feeling like, you know, your child should also be restricted um, because you're afraid of your child gaining too much weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is something that has to be looked at very closely because, Again, I spoke about awareness earlier, and I, I can't say enough about it. Um, and, um, you know, I can't, I, I just think that people who are having those feelings about their kids, um, as well as themselves, need to work those feelings out. Yeah, because it can be like the saddest thing, at least this happened to me, I was working mostly with pediatrics this year, when like a parent calls and they're like, I'm so worried about like my kid being, you know, overweight or, or something. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's a concern and sometimes they're fine. And so it's, it's hard to explain like, yes, this is a problem that a lot of people are talking about in the media, but it doesn't pertain to your child. Well, when I, um, counsel patients, uh, when I counsel kids in their families, I always focused on the quality of the diet, and I think right. that if you start there, even in your own mind, and you think, "Is this child eating a high quality diet?" and then if you work if you work around that and say, "Oh, is he having X amount of fruits and vegetables every day, whole grain, lean protein, blah blah blah." Let's start there and use that as the core, and after that, of course, there are, yeah. uh, are there's room for treats, um, you know, but. I always tell kids there are foods to grow on, you know, the foods that are, like, at the core of what you should be eating. And then there's extra stuff. That doesn't mean you can't have the extra calories, but they're not the foods that we grow on. You're growing, you know. And if you get the the child involved um, in their own health, that goes a really long way. But parents have to understand that, too. And I know the media can make them... You know, crazy, like, how do I prevent this? What am I doing? What's going on? But but just trying to get parents to understand, let's just focus on quality. Let's forget about calories. Let's forget about pounds. What about the quality of of what's, you know, what this child is eating? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, So just a couple questions. So the, the last big question really is like for family members. So like, you know, the husband or... Um, others involved with a woman as she's like having a baby and afterwards, what can they do to help support and make sure they feel, you know, confident or um, okay with what they're doing? Um, so again, you know, we, uh, going, going back to like, you know, what, 
your grandmother ate or what your right. mother ate kind of a thing. Like, everyone has an opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> About everything. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have to be kind of savvy and just say, well, that's interesting. Um but, you know, I have these books here uh, that are written by experts and, you know, I can go on the Internet and look on, you know, reputable websites and see, well, you know, that's probably not something that I choose to do. But if you're getting, a, you know, kind of weird advice from people, um, you can just um, say, oh, thank you very much for that tip, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. investigate it, you know, investigate it. Um I don't, the way I feel about uh, about family, it's like people are thrilled about your pregnancy, even yeah. strangers. And I never, I don't never got upset when I got into a conversation with a stranger. I mean, this is a baby, you know, this is life. Right. This, is, yeah. this is a wonderful thing. And people have opinions and you just don't, don't get, you know, I, I would, I wouldn't even waste my time getting annoyed about right. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, as long as, as what people are saying is basically safe, um, that's that's okay. You know, let them say whatever they want. Um, but, you know, you know that you can't have alcohol during pregnancy. Like that, right. sometimes there'll be, there'll be remarks like that. Well, I drank, um, you know, during my pregnancy. Well, um, but now we know that's not a good idea, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so you you know you make your own choices, but in terms of being supportive, yeah, um, maybe not offering a pregnant woman like the brownie sundae that she may want every day. You know, maybe right. stocking the the house with um, healthier foods. Maybe getting involved more in meal planning with her and helping her out. I think that one of the greatest things my husband ever did for me was indulging my whims. Um, I, I have a funny quick story about yeah. um, Chinese Chinese food. <laughs> um, <laughs> I one day we're, we're both at work and I'm just craving Chinese food, like just craving, craving, yeah. craving. And I was so sure I wanted it. And I was probably five or six months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And we get to the Chinese restaurant and we order and it comes to the table and I didn't want it anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? And I, you know, he didn't, he didn't get upset, but we packed it all up and we went home. And, you know, you're the... I always say about pregnancy, the hormones, the aliens have landed, you know, yeah. and you're, you're, you're at the whim of your hormones. So you may want something um, and then may not want it two hours later. So hopefully someone can indulge you yeah. in, in, in those uh, Definitely. things. I think the greatest thing that people can do that are around a pregnant woman, and this has nothing to do with food, is do not smoke. Secondhand right. smoke is very bad. For, for developing a uh, fetus. Yeah, so, so basically don't, don't live where I live. Do, yeah. <laughs> yes, do not smoke. And of course, you know, make it easier for the for the woman to avoid what's dangerous for her, other mm -hmm. things that are dangerous, including alcohol. Um, so don't, don't, don't tempt anybody yeah. you know, to, to, to do what they shouldn't be doing and don't surround them, you know, in an environment that could hurt a woman or hurt the baby right yeah you reminded me of a um, I have a couple friends you know who've had a baby and they had some sort of disordered eating problems before and they were like mm -hmm. you know when I was pregnant it was like the time I really was able to let go of all that because it was like wait I have another person to like oh that's great take care of so it was kind of a a nicer way to think about it I think and help them rather than 
being like, oh, I'm gaining this weight, like my body's changing. They instead like focused on on the baby. Right. And everyone's different in the way, you know, those feelings are going to come up once Mm -hmm. they're pregnant. And yes, I, and I have, um, had women say, you know, now that I'm pregnant, I'm, uh, it's easier for me to give my body, you know, what it, what it needs for the baby. Um, and then of course you can go the other way and say, well, no way am I gaining more than, you know, what I think the baby's going to weigh kind of a thing. Right. And, you know, uh, you, at, at, with those thoughts, you know, and, and doing that amount of restricting, you run the risk of having a low birth weight baby, a small for gestational age baby, and um, possibly a preterm baby. And, you know, those babies have problems. They have health problems that can linger, you know, for their whole life. So right. I like the other approach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. It's more a happy... If you can manage it. If you can <laughs> yeah. manage it. If you can't, get help. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else you think would be important for someone going into motherhood um, who's had an eating disorder to understand? Um, you know, no, I would just circle back to really um, that, that that being a mother, um, and, and you are a mother, you know, when you're pregnant, you are a mother. Um, right. Being a mom is um, about awareness of yourself, your own feelings, and, you know, how that's affecting your child. Like, there's two of you now. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's not just one, and um, you know this. You, you get one chance to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With, there's with no given take chi- twos. Yeah. Yeah. Right. With any given child, and if you feel like you need to do a better job, definitely get help, and don't feel bad about getting help. Yeah, you I'm know, so glad you said that. Yeah. About asking for help because you know we all need help. I mean, I think there's also. A focus now on you know a greater focus and 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 which should be on postpartum depression as right, well. Right, definitely. Um, so coming you know, so on the other end of that, just again, that's all about awareness too. If you're not feeling so great after you have the baby and you're not like in la la land and completely yeah. in love with being a mother, <laughs> yeah, again, and it happens. Yeah, and it happens. It's not um, that uncommon. Yeah, it's not uncommon. You know, get get help um, on that in that and in, in that respect too yeah I think a lot of times like parents like fathers too feel like oh I'm a parent now like I can't ask for help um exactly yeah exactly I don't mean to leave dads out yeah um <laughs> but dads um you know your family now there's three of you or if you're having twins there's four of you oh yeah um <laughs> and that's a big um responsibility and um it can take a while to adjust People adjust at different rates. Mm-hmm. Um, people lose weight after their babies at different rates. It's okay as long as you're healthy and, you know, your the quality of your diet is good. You know, just, uh, you know, keep on going on yeah. that path. Well, I've, I've definitely learned a lot. I think it was really helpful. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, it's great to have someone on who knows a whole lot more in this area. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, especially because I just went to I'm I'm getting married in like two months and I just went to uh, like wedding counseling with the priest and he was talking about kids the whole time um, so yeah. it was good but yeah <laughs> um, good so I like to ask just to end uh, what is your favorite food such a toss-up between pizza and really good ice cream yeah oh man what kind of pizza yeah. Oh, I like 
anything that doesn't have meat on it, I'm not, I mean, I like meat, but I just don't like it on pizza. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say, like, just, um, oh, this is going to sound dietitian-y, but um, <laughs> I, I really do like a thin whole wheat crust with roasted vegetables and a ton of cheese. But there's so, nothing wrong with liking vegetables. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I love, I love vegetables. But I like everything. I love yeah. brownies. I love chocolate. I love ice cream. It's all so good. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, that's why I'm having pizza and ice cream at my wedding. Those are the two foods. (laughs) 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 Um, But thank you so much, Liz. I don't want to take too much of your time. Oh, you're welcome. If you're interested in seeing more of Liz's work, you can check out Better is the New Perfect. Uh, It's a great website. She has a wonderful blog and really (laughs) interesting recipes that I have tried a few of and enjoy. So definitely check her out. Check out her book, Expect the Best Pregnancy, Healthy Eating Before, After, and During Pregnancy, uh, if you're interested in more. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and see you back in two weeks for real this time.